48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Kenny Hodgart. Tonight's headlines. The government announces the easing of some more social distancing measures from next week. Chief Executive John Lee says further easing will happen in an orderly and progressive manner. And the gay rights activist Jimmy Sham has been granted permission to take his fight to get Hong Kong to recognise overseas same-sex marriages to the city's top court. Inbound travellers with an Amber Health Code will be allowed to visit theme parks and hair salons from next week. That's among the latest round of social distancing measures being eased by the government, as Frank Young reports. Under the current 0 plus 3 policy, overseas arrivals are given an amber coat for their first three days here, barring them from entering premises that actively check their COVID vaccination records. But from next Thursday, people entering premises requiring them to have their mask on, such as wet markets, hair salons, religious venues and non-dining areas and theme parks, will no longer need to show their vaccine pass unless they are requested by law enforcement officers. That means inbound travelers can visit these places as soon as they arrive in the city. Still, Undersecretary for Health Libby Lee urged people to scan the Leave Home Safe app upon entering such premises, saying it is the same as carrying an ID card around. Overseas arrivals with the Amber Code are still barred from restaurants, bars and cinemas. Meanwhile, outdoor campsites are to reopen and people will be allowed to eat at outdoor sports stadiums. Dr. Lee insisted the latest easing of COVID rules struck the right balance. It actually is a balance between the risk that we have and also the measures that we are at hand we can do to actually control the risk. The whole realization is based on this balance. If there's an outdoor activity, we believe that well, the ventilation of the air or the ventilation is much better than an indoor, especially if the indoor is full of people and are crowded. So this creates space for us to further relax the measures. But Dr. Lee made it clear the mask mandate will remain for now to protect the public. The SAR reported 5,697 new COVID infections for the day, of which 495 were imported. Nine more COVID patients have died. Earlier in the day, Chief Executive John Lee said the government will continue to look for room to further relax infection control measures while balancing the need to protect the population and the healthcare system from COVID-19. Speaking at the opening of the Asia Summit on Global Health, Mr Lee noted his administration had been making progress in lifting restrictions since taking office in July, adding that the effort will continue in an orderly and progressive manner. We are working on specific and dedicated plans to ensure major events and economic activities can be held smoothly to open up Hong Kong, to bring a world of business back to Hong Kong as quickly and as safely as we can. Gay rights activist Jimmy Sham has been granted permission to take his fight to get Hong Kong to recognise overseas same-sex marriages to the city's top court. An appeal court ruled that the issues involved are of great general public importance and that there's a case to be argued, as Maggie Ho reports. Jimmy Sham launched a judicial review four years ago in a bid to get the Hong Kong government to recognise his marriage to a man in New York five years earlier. 
he lost the case, and the court of appeal later affirmed the ruling, saying the basic law states that freedom of marriage in the SAR is protected, but that the institution of marriage is only for heterosexual couples. In his application for the court of final appeal to consider the matter, Mr. Sham argued that the exclusion of same-sex couple from the institution of marriage, as well as Hong Kong's failure to recognize foreign same-sex marriages, are violations of the basic law and the Bill of Rights. He also noted that the government has failed to provide an alternative means of legal recognition of same-sex partnerships. In ruling that Mr. Sham can take his case to Hong Kong's top court, a three-judge court of appeal panel said the issues involved are of great general public importance. It also said Mr. Sham's points, while not particularly strong, met the threshold of being reasonably arguable. And a look at the weather forecast, mainly fine with temperatures in the region of 23 to 28 degrees, moderate easterly winds, fresh at first tomorrow. The outlook, sunny periods in the next few days and it will be hot on Sunday. It's currently 24 degrees at the observatory with relative humidity of 83%. You're tuned to RTHK, the time is 5 minutes past 11. A woman who waved a colonial-era flag while watching a public broadcast of the Tokyo Olympics has become the first person to be jailed for insulting the national anthem. The 42-year-old was given a three-month sentence, Erin Tam reports. The woman waved the flag while the national anthem was broadcast at APM Mall after Hong Kong won gold at the Tokyo Olympics. The court had heard that Paula Leung, who pleaded guilty, waved the flag as the medal ceremony was shown on the Quintong Mall's big screen after fencer Edgar Cheung won his gold medal on July 26th last year. Hundreds of fans had gathered there to watch Cheung triumph at the Olympics. The magistrate jailed Leung for three months, saying she had seriously disparaged the anthem and damaged the nation's dignity. Police say they've arrested eight men on suspicion of swindling dozens of people out of over $2.7 million in a phishing scam. Officers say the gang broke new ground in the way they went about obtaining SIM cards to get to launch their phishing operation. Violet Wong reports. In the past three months, the eight suspects are alleged to have cloned text messages from Korea companies and requested victims to pay for purported failed delivery charges with their credit cards online. Officers believe 183 people were scammed as a result, with their credit cards being used to pay for mobile phones, gift vouchers and other things for resale. Superintendent Wilson Tem said for the first time the phishing operation was launched using SIM cards that had been registered here using personal information that had been illegally acquired. In the past month alone, the syndicate had used more than 300 SIM cards to send over 1 million phishing messages, he said. The eight suspects, aged between 17 and 44, were rounded up in a three-day operation that concluded on Wednesday. With U.S. midterm election votes still being counted, the Senate race is still too close to call. And while the Republicans look set to win the lower chamber of Congress, the House of Representatives, their majority is likely to be much smaller than they'd been hoping. At a press conference, U.S. President Joe Biden seemed unfazed about this development and addressed the future head on. My intention is that I run again. But I'm a great respecter of fate, and uh, this is ultimately a family decision. I think everybody wants me to run, but they're going, we're going to have discussions about it. And I don't feel in any, any hurry one way or another. 
what, to, to, to make that judgment. And my guess is it'd be early next year we'd make that judgment. To Iran now, where Tarani Ali Dusti, one of the country's most popular actresses, has posted an image of herself on the social media site Instagram without a headscarf to express solidarity with the ongoing anti-government demonstrations in the country. Best known for her role in the Oscar-winning film The Salesman, she also held a sign reading Women, Life, Freedom in Kurdish, a rallying cry for protesters since the death in police custody of the Kurdish-Iranian woman Masa Amini for allegedly violating strict rules on wearing the hijab. Tara Kangarlu, a journalist and adjunct professor at Georgetown University, who is also the author of The Heartbeat of Iran, spoke about the significance of the social media post. You know, she's an example of a real Iranian woman who's talking the talk and walking the walk. You know, every day, uh, athletes, actors, artists, celebrities, prominent citizens are faced with having their rights to work and travel revoked. You know, she's uh, she's accepted all of that by showing her solidarity with her fellow Iranian sisters and brothers in such way. And it is powerful because she has accepted the risks. And, and by the way, this is not the first time that she has shown her opposition to to the government's oppressive policies, um, especially those against women. Uh, she, she had a very powerful quote from, you know, back in 2019, where uh, she took her protest on social media, as she often does, and she wrote uh, saying, we're not citizens, we're, we've never been, uh, we're captives, millions of captives. So nearly two months into the protests, she, she showed her resilience, she showed her courage, um, and again, she does this with the knowledge that she's in the country. You know, she's not removing her scarf from the outside, encouraging others to do it inside. Uh, she's in Iran, she's at risk, and she knows it, but, but still did it. The head of the Ukrainian Armed Forces says Russian troops were left with no other option but to flee Kherson after Ukrainian forces destroyed their logistic supply lines and severely disrupted their command and control system. General Valery Zaluzhny said his forces had continued to advance, liberating 12 settlements in the south. A Ukrainian MP, Alexei Honcharenko, said that although communications with Kherson are limited, it's clear the city is being badly looted. Russians are robbing everything. They are taking, you know, children videos. It's on my uh, Telegram channel and Twitter, how they are taking the small children's train, uh, which was in the park. They are even taking such things. So they are taking from Kherson everything. They are robbing everything. They are acting like, I don't know, like in the medieval times. And certainly the city is suffering a lot. The Taliban in Afghanistan have banned women from all parks in the capital, Kabul. The latest restrictions on their freedoms in, uh, since the group seized power last year. One amusement park operator said the ban could force him to close. The BBC's Yogital Lemaye reports. A spokesman for the Taliban's Vice and Virtue Ministry has told the BBC that those managing parks in the city of Kabul have been told not to allow women in. The restrictions extend to amusement parks that usually have rides like bumper cars or a Ferris wheel and where families visit together with their children. Women won't be allowed even if accompanied by male relatives. The Taliban claim Islamic laws were not being followed at parks and that's why they've taken the decision. Right now the announcement appears to be just for the capital but it's been seen in the past that such rules are eventually applied across the country. 
This is yet another example of how women are being forced out of public life in Afghanistan since the Taliban took over. A new survey has found that the influence of the fossil fuel industry at global climate talks has risen significantly in recent years. The analysis was carried out by the campaign group Global Witness and shows that more, more than 600 people attending the COP summit in Egypt are linked to oil and gas. Campaigners want industry representatives banned from future climate summits. Canada's Environment Minister St Stephen Gilbeau said the fossil fuel lobby shouldn't dominate the conversation. The issue for me is not, you know, are they present or not? I mean, it's the United Nations. These, these, are, these are open processes. It's an open forum. The question is, should these dictate the agenda? In the case of Canada, the answer is clearly no. And I think it's the case for many countries, but they will try and have their voices heard, as other interest groups will in these forums. The fast food company KFC has issued an apology after it suggested that German customers commemorate the notorious Nazi pogrom Kristallnacht by ordering a chicken with cheese. Kristallnacht was the night in 1938 when Nazi supporters smashed the windows of Jewish-owned shops, killing many of the owners and other Jews across Germany. More from the BBC's Paul Moss. It was, KFC says, an unacceptable message. That's certainly the way that Jewish groups and others have greeted the company's latest attempt to promote its products. KFC have explained that they use an automatic generator, which spots anniversaries and creates content to go with them. The company insists that a human being is supposed to check messages and that they're now trying to work out how it was that nobody did on this occasion to make sure that nothing like it happens again. The pharmaceutical giant AstraZeneca recorded net profits of over $1.6 billion between July and September, exceeding analysts' expectations. Overall earnings also rose significantly across the three-month period. The growth in profits was helped largely by increased sales of AstraZeneca's key cancer medicines. AstraZeneca became renowned for developing a COVID vaccine, but profits from the vaccine were down by nearly a billion compared to the same period last year. New York's autumn season of fine art auctions has begun with another record-breaking sale. The collection of the late Microsoft executive Paul Allen fetched more than one billion US dollars at Christie's, making it the most valuable collection ever sold. It comprises more than 150 artworks, including master uh, masterpieces by Cezanne, Picasso, and Lucien Freud. Speaking at the start of the sale, the auctioneer uh, Adrian Meyer said the collection was very special. Taken together, tonight's masterworks span over 500 years of art history and the auction will be the largest and most exceptional in Chris's history with all estate proceeds dedicated to philanthropy pursuant to Mr Allen's wishes. A reminder of our top stories, the government announces the easing of some more social distancing measures from next week. Chief Executive John Lee says further easing will happen in an orderly and progressive manner and the gay rights activist Jimmy Sham has been granted permission to take his fight to get Hong Kong to recognise overseas same-sex marriages to the city's top court. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 Heavenly shades of night are falling It's twilight time out of the mist your voice is calling, tis twilight time. When purple colored curtains mark the end of day, 
And here we are in Hong Kong at the end of our Thursday, Friday, just literally minutes around the corner. Welcome to Twilight Time, 45 minutes of easygoing music, especially if you've had a bit of a day today, a good chance to relax. If you'd like to choose a song, it's Radio Pete at Gmail. And our first one for you tonight is from Paul Anker. Walking down 